everybody to episode 8 of Ours is the Fury. The whole podcast crew is present today as usual. Hello. 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 Hi. So uh, another heartbreaking defeat. Uh, home game yesterday against the Scorpions. How does everyone feel the day after? I was like Minnesota all over again. Extra time goal. Things are looking good. That's, that's how I feel. I thought it was worse than the Minnesota. It was just... It was. It was a roller coaster. Yes. Lee Parapovich scored a beautiful goal, and then we got a penalty against us. And we were 2-1 ahead, right? So uh, when we conceded the 2-2 um, after a Hasley penalty, I was like, okay, I can live with the 2-2. That's still a good result for us. But then in the third minute of additional time, and when uh, Sahorsky, I think, was the one who shot it, or was he the one that deflected it in? Deflected it in. Yeah, he deflected it in. That was so heartbreaking because we got nothing out of that game. And it actually was quite a positive display from the team. And like I had a great time out there. There was a lot of chances on both ends. And it's just the result that fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I don't know. I thought... This game, more than others, there was a lot of space out there. There's a lot of space. There's guys unmarked. Uh, there's a lot of running matches for the ball that we were getting beat to sometimes. But then at times, uh, Dantes like totally went through uh, Adrian Can a few times, which was pretty awesome to see. So yeah, that was an entertaining game for sure. Definitely, both teams gave each other a lot of space to work with. Um, I mean, when, when we were attacking, oftentimes we had uh, uh, Hayworth completely open or, or some of the wingers completely open and, you know, we were able to use that space quite a lot. I mean, Donatelli distributing the balls like crazy, like it was beautiful to watch. Um, of course, in the first half, no team scored, but then five goals in the second half uh, showed that, you know, there was a lot of space to exploit. Yeah, it was a really great game. It was a lot of uh, back and forth, uh, even in the first half and the second half. A lot of space. Hayworth had a lot of space on the right wing. Fortunately, he couldn't do a lot with it. He seems to be a, be a player who's better uh, in close quarters than he is with space. He missed a lot of chances. But it was nice seeing that space, and it was nice seeing a really wide-open game between two really good teams, and it was just kind of unfortunate at the end there to give up the, the losing goal. But speaking about Hayworth, I actually thought he had a pretty good game because like he was pressuring like crazy uh, when when we lost possession and won lots of balls back. He dribbled through a couple of players. It's just I think where he was lacking was when he was crossing the ball. It got frustrating because he like his crosses went nowhere. No, he's not a good crosser of the ball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't think he's I don't think he's very he's a. Uh, He's really uh, suited for that wing role. I think he's improving on it. I think that's where he's going to play. But I think he's more suited to be up front. Yeah, and to be fair, that's his natural position yeah. where he played in his PDL days and, uh, you know, for college and so on. <clears throat> but he's still young and he's improving and he's going to be a really good player two, three years down the line. Absolutely. And, I mean, Donatelli had another great game. Like, I, I mentioned the way he distributed the balls and stuff. And, like, just his technique. Like, sometimes he paced these, uh, plays these, like, long balls, like, from deep in the midfield out to the wings. And he, it looks so casual the way he does it, but there's so much skill involved. It was definitely encouraging to see the, the mid and the forwards linking up a little bit more this game. Like, they seemed like they were on the same page for a lot of it. Absolutely, like this is Ottawa Fury at their best, um, you know, but of course we've had those defensive mistakes again creeping up in, in, uh, in uh, set ball situations especially. Yeah, I was just thinking uh, last week that we, we've been really good on the set, the set players, we scored a lot, 
Jeroen a couple times on corners. We haven't given up anything up till last week on set plays, and then a couple corners just really killed us in that game. And uh, set plays for ourselves, like I don't think we have, we really have that uh, that player to take free kicks. Absolutely, I totally agree with you on that one. And like Ryan puts it up from like long range when he's just kind of lobbing into the box. Hopefully someone connects, but there's no one to put it. There's on no Heidemann there to connect with it, or no Jeroen. Because yeah. he's away. And we don't have that deadly free kick player. Yeah, the direct free kicks have all been terrible. Yeah, right at the keeper. My hope is that maybe Patterson can, can uh, do free kicks. I don't know if he can, because I haven't scouted <coughs> him as much as I should have. But I have high hopes for him, so hopefully he can you know, convert some of those free kick opportunities. I think this game really showed uh, how important Jeroen is to our team. I think he was really... He was really missed. Which is kind of ironic because we yeah. rip on him every week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those two corners, a big guy like him could have hopefully, you know. Yeah, but he may have, he may have, would have, you know, caused like a penalty as well or gone off with the red card. Uh, I mean, I was uh, speaking to a tail. Uh, after the game, and if you don't know, Teo is one of the members of the Stony Monday Riot, and you know he kind of he asked to listen a question, which was, "What do you most want Marco Santos to do if he were to get a player in a summer transfer window?" And he he sort of answered his own question and said he really wants a pasty central back. And we also discussed this last week. You know we know that that's what they're going for, and yes, we need a pasty central back, but someone with all of the good qualities of Omar Jarud, but who's fast. <laughs> Yeah, and someone maybe a center back that can take those free kicks for us too. <laughs> <laughs> all rolled into all the player. all rolled maybe like one like, player. Player. like Sergio Ramos, you know, yeah. <laughs> who was an amazing uh, defender, who, you know, with a bit of a temper, just like Giroud, um, but you know, who scores crucial headers as we saw yesterday in the Champions League final, or I should say, some of us saw because some of on some of us some of us were at the women's game. Um, what player do you think stood out? Uh, well, before we go to the negatives, I think there's more positives, actually. Uh, Kendra, which player do you think... Uh... <laughs> Good lord. Okay. <laughs> um, I just wanted to talk about Ubi Parapovic for a minute. Sure. Um, because I was, I was super happy that he scored last night. Um, because I was totally happy with him being a really great midfielder, um, which he is. I think he's the Fury's um, best midfielder. Um, and I was totally happy for him to just do that and quietly do midfieldy stuff. But um, because that's the kind of player that I really, really like. But then when he scored, I was ecstatic because now finally he's, you know, um, impacting the game with scoring. And so I was really super excited to see that. Yeah, and what a goal it was. I think it came from a Donatelli pass and then uh, Ubi... Uh, Went right so, up the net. Diagonally. Right at, a Tough angle, but he sort of like tucked it underneath the goalkeeper. Yeah. Like, It was a beautiful goal. I, had a, I was talking to a security guard about how nice the goal was right after it happened. <laughs> had a kinship there. It was nice. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't happen very often with those Carleton University <laughs> security guards. Like I was tweeting yesterday, you know, it is about freaking time we leave that stadium and go into TD place and hopefully we'll have a more professionally trained security that, that knows sports better and has more, you know, uh, professional communications uh, with supporters because, uh, you know, we're sometimes stared down and viewed like criminals. <laughs> like all we're doing is we're there to have a good time and support the team. So, but that's just an aside. Uh, uh, back to the game. Um, who do you guys think didn't play so well? I think Frizinga didn't play very well in the back. Um, there was a couple of times where, well, a couple of times, he seemed to be standing around a lot, unfortunately. And I really like the guy. I hope he does really well. Um, but he needs to move around when he doesn't have the ball and like figure out where things are going. And there was a lot of times when he got caught like chasing when people went through him. So um, I think he need. Um, yeah, the, wasn't the most positive. The problem is he's like we don't really have a lot of depth on the right, right? Because if Becky doesn't, if Becky has to replace one of our central backs, it's really only Frizenga who can play on the right. So, you know, he's gonna probably play again in the next game, even though, 
he really <clears throat> hasn't, you know, he doesn't really, it sounds harsh, but he doesn't really deserve to play in the starting 11 given the performances that he's, he's shown so far, in my view at least. Yeah, he's just kind of a, he's kind of a tweener, like he's not, he's small, but he doesn't have the speed, so he's kind of always, he marks well most of the time. But moving forward, I think he wanted a little more offense. He wanted a little more distribution. I don't think he's been able to do that so far this year. No, unfortunately not. But like Kendra, I also hope that he does well, you know, because he's a Canadian player who's been capped for the national team. And he has a lot. He shows a lot of promise. But he's, he's just really not there yet currently. Um, what about... Yeah, left left back. Soria didn't have the greatest game either. Eh? He was getting outrun. He was. Uh, they they came they came at him a lot of the first half. They came right at him. Um, yeah. I don't know if that that was their game plan, like the Scorpions' game plan to come right at Soria, but they came right at him quite a few times. Or they put the ball over his head and then he get outrun. Um, like and it wasn't Hasley outrunning. It was the other. The other forward, I don't, I don't remember his name, but um, Hasley's not outrunning anyone. No, but he is a freaking monster. Like he's a head taller than everybody else, and he's yeah, he's a physical presence, but he's yeah. he's not fast. He's he's not making the deadly passes, but like he, that penalty he took was. If you didn't know who he was and you saw him on the street, like you wouldn't think he's I, a I soccer cross, player. I would cross the street, yeah. <laughs> You'd cross the street probably too because he has his terrifying tattoos coming like, <laughs> on, like on his neck and stuff. But he's also just from like his statue doesn't remind you of a soccer player, right? He he looks more like an ultimate fighter, fighter yeah. or something like that. Um, so yeah, like we said the week before, it would have been an interesting matchup to see him play against Jerun and see how they compare in statue. Yeah, but they they have that formation that we wish we had, right? With if we had Tommy up front as a point man, and and it worked for them, like it worked. And he's he's a distraction for our our defense too, and that left the other guys open because everyone's marking this guy that got the FIFA goal of the year or was nominated for the FIFA goal of the year. And everyone's marking him, and then we're getting beat on the sides. But uh, there was one time where Hasley had the ball at the top of the box, and I thought he was on the flick it up, <laughs> you know, like he did in uh, Seattle that one time when he played for the White Cats. Right, and since you watch every Seattle oh, so, game, yeah. really, you've seen it live, right? Yeah, yeah. So the one last night where they stole the game from the White Caps, too, yeah. And then Mycon was a first substitution to replace Soria. Um, didn't have huge impact on the game, but. I thought he, it was an improvement. Yeah, it he was an improvement. brought some energy. Yeah. It was, I, I don't know, I felt like people got a little bit more into it and connected with him a little bit. But uh, And he's, of course, the guy who can, who can do those free kicks as well. Yeah, I'd like, I would have liked to see Mikon come in at half and not the 67th minute. Yeah, but, I also thought uh, Mark Santos was waiting a little bit long. A little too was long it? for yeah. the change for the sub there. Yeah, I thought it would have been uh, nice to see Mekong and Oliver kind of hook up, but uh, Oliver came off for duties uh, shortly uh, <laughs> shortly after Macon came on, but I think uh, I think San Antonio, I think decidedly tried to shut Oliver down on the on the left side, and I believe that's why uh, Hayworth had all that space on the right. I think they were actually shutting down Oliver. So um, for those listeners who weren't able to watch the game, maybe we just quickly break down how the goals occurred. So Janicki scored the fourth, uh, the first goal uh, for San Antonio. Tim, do you remember? Oh, sorry for calling you by your real name. Sorry. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember uh, yeah, it's corner kick. Janeki uh, got his head on it, kind of put it in the side netting. I like Gork had a chance. Right, and then uh, we got a penalty, which uh, Donatelli uh, coolly converted in the seventy-first minute. Did you remember um, the foul, or what happened in the box? Uh, no, but he was fouled many times. I I. For the game. Thought there was a shirt and an elbow pull, like yeah. a pull. Yeah, I know he went to ground and there was a gasp in our section. <laughs> yeah, it was a definite penalty. So and it was good for him to score. Um, yes, third, is a yeah, scored three games in a row now. Yeah, he's got four goals, uh, leading the league in goals and leading the league in assists. So Oliver was still on the field at that time, right? So why did Donatelli step up for the penalty? Confidence. Yeah, form. I, yeah. Yeah, what a great season he's having. Who would have thought, you know, when we were first looking at this team and like going through the players, we're like, oh, there's this guy 
you know, who looks beautiful, but he comes from the indoor league, you know. Yeah, but he stood out that game in Rochester. He stood out. Remember that was yeah, was that's like, true. We we both noticed him at that game, and yeah. he didn't yeah. start the season as a starter. I don't know when he started his first game, but it's Fort Lauderdale. He wasn't a starter, and it's nice to see him come up and do really well. I think he's probably one of the best players in the spring season, arguably. So he's yeah, he's leading the league, right? And he didn't play full ninety. Quite like he was out of two games completely. Mm. And he's leading the league. That's pretty amazing. So he's leading the league with how many assists and goals? Uh, four goals, three assists. Yeah, that's a pretty good record for how many games have we had so far? Seven games? Yeah, seven. And he, I think he played five of them. So, so hopefully we can keep him uh, uh, for the fall season and beyond that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, we discussed the, the goal that came next when we went ahead and, and Ubi did his uh, wonderful uh, trick there and converted the the chance and of course then they got a penalty for and i like it was so tough to see what actually went on from the stands i thought it was like just some kind of foul like i couldn't make out which ottawa player fouled there were so many legs and so much going on in the box at the time i spoke to chris hoffley who was the ottawa sun uh, guy uh, later and he said in the uh, in the media zone they were saying it was for a handball and of course, NASL Live hasn't uploaded the video yet, so it's uh, tough to know what that penalty was for. But um, there wasn't a lot of complaints from the Fury players, which makes me believe that there may have been grounds for it. Like an actual... It wasn't just a make-up penalty call for the first penalty. Like. No. And, you know, you know, a 2-2 would have been fine. It would have been fair, because yeah. you know the stats are fairly equal for this game. But then they got just a, in German we would say like a Sunday shot. <laughs> you know, like it's like a shot that never ever goes in. But, you know, you just try to shoot it from way back and get a lucky deflection and it goes in. Crap shoot. Or a crap shoot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so we, it, it finished 3-2 and we lost. And that really sucks because now we're eighth in the league and we could have been uh, fifth. fifth, I think, yeah. yeah. And with a good chance of, of uh, finishing higher than fifth, even. But now it's just uh, we're uh, we have I think f two games remaining, so we can only get six more points, and we're like already five points behind. Um, I don't have the table in front of me, but I know that there isn't much to play for in, in terms of ranking anymore. Well, it's important to get those six points for the overall, because there is an overall table as well. Absolutely, not just spring and fall, but. Uh, and like I told someone that I was speaking to and in the stands, like if we finish ahead of the other Canadian team and we finish ahead of the other expansion team, yeah, it's already a pretty big success for me. We're a new team. <laughs> but I think even more than that, uh, what hurt so bad about last night was that we were playing so well and there were so many positives and then to kind of go down like that is, is pretty disappointing. But I mean, on the upside, we're seeing a lot of progress and we're seeing a lot of, um, players like get into it and like connect with each other so I think that's that's a really good thing to take away yeah and not to be a total homer but we're a better team than than the record says I think mm -hmm. like I think we're a mid-table team like, for sure like I, I honestly think San Antonio is a better team than us I think New York's a better team than us and I think Minnesota is by far the best team in the league um but we're I think we're we should be around fifth, like in the power rankings. We should really be about fifth. So. so after the the game yesterday I tweeted to Mark Dos Santos because I thought there might be an off chance that he responds and he actually did. So what I told him was just nice to see the boys playing so well together. Sucks to lose in such a fashion, but they played great in my view. And he says, Thanks John. We did quite well, but we need to be better. We have to grow and learn from a game like this one. So, you know, his usual self-critical self, -critical self uh, but you know he he does see some positives as well. And next game, we still have to revenge that Voyager's Cup loss. Uh, um, Voyager's Cup loss. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. As long as it doesn't become the mindset, it doesn't become the culture of the team. Like losing, like like it's important to say this isn't acceptable to lose. I know expansion team, all that, NESL, all that, but like first year. 
But let's not create a culture of losing. We've seen that before in this province with football teams. Yeah. Not that I Which uh, team are you referring to? I don't know. Some other <laughs> professional football team in this province. Is it the Gloucester Hornets? Yeah, it is. Yeah. The Gloucester Hornets. <laughs> no. no, I don't know. It's uh, not the Blizzard. Uh, what's the other one? But yeah. So we don't want to. We don't want to fall into that trap though, where it's acceptable. So overall, though, I'm pretty happy with it. Club. All right, so uh, we'll take a break now, and we'll be back right after this. So, of course, it wasn't all doom and gloom uh, yesterday during Ottawa Fury's match day, because it wasn't only the men that played... The women also uh, had a game when they took on Quebec Dynamo and uh, they uh, had an impressive 2-0 victory. Now, um, Blogsmith and I, we uh, decided not to see this game, not because we're not interested in the women's side, uh, but just because the Champions League final was on at the same time. And it is the most important uh, game in club football every year and I really didn't want to miss it. So I'll probably be, uh, be around for the next couple games. Um, uh, but yeah, it's great to have this uh, women's team with, you know, quite a bunch, a lot of competent players in our city. And I did see a handful of those games last uh, year. But uh, yeah, why don't you guys speak a little bit about uh, how the game went? It was a good game. Uh, the first half, there wasn't many chances for the for the Fury. Uh, I think we were outshot four to one. Um, we were saved by our back line quite a few times. There's a few players that really stood out. Um, number 34, uh, Danielle Hubka. And uh, she's, she's pretty pretty tough on the ball. She shoulder to shoulder. She's a very physical player. Uh, she really stood out for me. Um, she played before for the Washington Spirit, if you remember that team. And uh, yeah, she, she was really like an anchor there on the, on the right side, on the back. Um, Quebec was a, a pretty fast team, a good program. Uh, there was a lot of times where they all muscled us in the air. There was a there was a great player on our team that also stood out was number eight uh, Lydia Hastings and um, another American player. It's, t- it's two Americans now. Uh, really stood out yesterday. And uh, she'd go up for the ball, and she'd get knocked around quite a bit, but she was right in there every single time. She's doing a good job. So, so uh, did uh, Kadisha Buchanan play? You know, the player that everyone in Canadian women's soccer is so excited about. Every time I, I read any reports or I watch the international friendlies, everybody's like, this player is going to be amazing or already is amazing. and. Did, did she have an impact on the game at all? Uh, no, she came on later in the game, the second half. Uh, I didn't notice her uh, too much. There's like players on Quebec that were very uh, noticeable and players on our team. Uh, we have an Australian on our team that that really, uh, every time she ran up the ball, and Christy Moore, she, she was just deadly, like joy to watch. Like, there's any ball that was 50-50, she'd probably win it. She was all over it. And she scored a goal, just such a beautiful strike. Like, it was hard, mean strike. And she's deadly. So, pretty excited about this team. Um, I think we can get a championship again. Like, I think they've won eight of the last nine years. Yeah, with the exception of last year, right? exception of last year, yeah, Lavelle. So, how many people were out watching the game? Uh, not much. Uh, there was about a hundred people, I'd say. Um, there was a threat of a <laughs> thunderstorm. And the Champions League game. And the champ, yeah, thunderstorm. So the thunder, it in the second half, it looked pretty scary. It rained a little bit. Uh, the security were actually telling people and people that work for uh, Oseg were there were telling people if lightning does strike. This is the game plan. So they're very well organized there. Yeah, I heard apparently if, if Thunder and Lightning strikes, everyone has to go inside of Carlton for like 20 minutes. Yep, because it's a giant steel stadium. So yeah. I was sitting there looking at the clouds going, if Lightning strikes the stadium, <laughs> it could be like mass <laughs> mass casualties or something. I remember at Algonquin uh, College there, or whatever it's called, yeah, the Algonquin College Field yeah. where they played PDL in the women's game yeah, last year. 
Yeah, I, I was volunteering there, and they, they had this uh, rule, if there was thunder and lightning, like, if it, the lightning comes, you have to wait at least, I think, 20 minutes as well before you can put the game back on. Just because... It makes sense. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Overall, we got a really strong team, though. There's and uh, when is the next home game? Next game's on the 31st. Uh, we're playing Kitchener-Waterloo United. And this will be at Carlton as well? This will be at Carlton. Yeah, same thing. It's not a true doubleheader. It's at 3 p.m. Most right. games in the evening. So it'd be nice if they made it a true doubleheader because people could just, like... Me, yesterday, I had two hours in between, so I just jumped on the O train, went and got something to eat, and came back to the stadium. But if it was a true doubleheader and they had all the food services running and everything, they could they could make a killing, but... Yeah. Um, but it sounds like a true derby to play against Kingston. That could be quite the rivalry. Yeah, and I like, I like Kingston. I like their program. Um, their roster is 100% Canadian players. Um, not too many W League teams are... 100% Canadian or 100% American, so kind of it's kind of good to see they got quality football down there in Southern Ontario. So be a good game to come check out if you if you're a fan of the women's national team. Uh, these this is where they come from. This is yeah. these are the same players. So or if you're a fan of soccer in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like it's just it's such high quality soccer. I'm just amazed. I feel pretty lucky to have it. And uh, we'd also like to throw out a mention to Ingrid Green's uh, Cut to the Chase podcast. She is very um, motivated and dedicated to spreading the word about the women's game in Canada. And she does a lot of really good work. And, um, you know, if you guys are interested in women's soccer or soccer in general, Kendra, <laughs> then check out the uh, Cut to the Chase uh, po- podcast. And she, I think she's running some kind of campaign for it as well. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's like an indiegogo campaign or something yeah to raise money because she wants to cover the women's world cup and travel around both of them right the u20 and the the next one yeah so it's it's cut and then the number two the chase if you're googling it cut to the chase so right and uh, we'll also uh, continue to provide you with uh, updates of the uh, the women's team and uh, unfortunately, we won't be able to cover the away games very much because there's no feeds to watch, to, to my knowledge. Yeah, but just, you know, it's a good time to bring people out. And it's, it's really good soccer, so come see the game. Yeah, when I, uh, so I'm not there alone. When, when I met Ryan yesterday at the game, the first thing he said to me was like, Yo, John, the women are so good, they could easily beat the men's team. And I was like, okay, Ryan. <laughs> They're pretty good. They're pretty good. <laughs> well, if you, if you look at this, I consider the W League the, one of the best women's leagues in the world. The NWSL probably holds that title. But uh, You think it's better than the, the German uh, Women's Bundesliga? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Well, the German team Wolfsburg, they won the Champions League twice in a row. Yeah, but the... the, the Amer- yeah, but look at the American and Canadian national team and the players in the NWSL and the players in the W League and then compare that yeah. to the European leagues. Yeah, um, but then the German national team in the women's side is the most successful yeah. of all. But the talent's spread out, right, in Europe? Yeah, so, no, it's a, it's a, it's an argument for a for another <laughs> podcast for sure. Favorite argument. <laughs> All right, so um, let's take another break here, and then we can have a more general look at NASL and what's going on with the standings. Alright, welcome back guys. Now in this section we're going to discuss uh, how NASL is going in, from a general point of view. Um, Minnesota is still on top, 16 points after 7 matches. That's pretty damn good. Um, although, how did their game end? I think they played 0-0 versus Carolina, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was a 0-0 draw, uh, a home game. And uh, an important thing to mention is uh, they uh, broke their attendance record in that stadium. Okay. So that's pretty good for. It's so been a team for a long time. All right. So how many people were there at the game in uh, Minnesota? Well, in Blaine, it was uh, six thousand seven hundred and some. So okay. six seven eight four. That's how much it was. 
So it's pretty good, pretty good crowd for them. They they actually don't play in Minnesota either. They play in Blaine, so right or Minneapolis. Right? So yeah, it's pretty good. And Edmonton uh, lost again at home this time against the Atlanta Silverbacks, who we uh, have somewhat unhappy memories of. Um, not a particularly strong team, so this is a pretty bad result for Edmonton. Although I I didn't see the game, but I read on Twitter that they were quite unlucky. Did anyone have the chance to watch that one? No, uh, they didn't post it up. Right. They didn't post it yet, but um, they had a... They had the full week to prepare for this game. Like, remember last week, they had three three games in eight days. So, and they've been home. They've been rested. So, no no tired legs excuse. They, they, they should have got a result. So, they're currently in ninth, two points behind us. And we're, we have yet to play them. And we're playing them next week. And we'll preview that game later on. But that's kind of a big final for us. If we win that game, Edmonton cannot surpass us anymore in the final match day. Yeah, we we have to beat them next week. We have to uh we have to get eighth or higher and there's there's no excuses not to. And yeah. then probably oh go ahead. Yeah, I think it's important that uh, the Fury come out after a disappointing loss against the San Antonio last weekend that they put up a really strong performance and I think Edmonton is uh coming east should be you know, it shouldn't be easy to beat, but they sh- we should beat them. Yeah, absolutely. So the the game of the match day, by far probably was the, the Tampa Bay Rowdies versus the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. It's probably the matchup of the league. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah, I would say so. There's uh, five goals in the game. Tampa Bay won three two, uh, over Fort Lauderdale in Fort La- Lauderdale. Um, what there's four thousand three hundred thirty one four three three one. Now, don't they have like a special name for this game or something? The league does like the game of the El Clasico. No, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's called the Flo- Flor Clasico, the Tampa Bay Light or something. Or the Bay, I don't know. There's some name they gave it. That uh, uh, Baggy was talking to me about this, but uh, I forgot. They have a history though. Like the, these are both original NASL clubs and that. So, and they're close to each other, so it's it's a derby. The same state. Yeah. Uh, interesting side story what happened is uh, there was uh, two buses a team bus and then the supporters group bus and I don't know if any of you guys saw this online yeah I, I saw a tweet but it was the two competing buses right so it was this I think it was the supporter I can't remember which one it was I think the supporters bus broke down the team bus picked them up right and then the, later on the team bus caught on fire and everyone ran out of the bus, and then by that time, the supporters' bus was fixed and picked everyone up. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I hadn't researched it that Teamwork. much, but I only, I only heard the first part of that story. Yeah, well, just wow. look up uh, Flight 19, their supporters group down in Florida there, and it's a, it's a hilarious story. I'm, I'm glad everyone's okay. No one got hurt, that far as I know. So it's, But it's a great story. It's one of those legendary, you know, Things that will go down in history is a great, great. Time so, but they were both Fort Lauderdale guys, right? Yeah, the team yeah. And the, it was the, all Fort Lauderdale. Oh, I, I had read it somehow that it was like the, the Tampa other, Bay bus helping out the the, the supporters of the uh, Fort Lauderdale. If that is true, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would make the story even even. It more would have made the the word a more beautiful place. <laughs> but I highly doubt that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the last remaining. Um, a matchup of this match day in our giant league of 10 teams it was, of course, uh, New York Cosmos versus Indy 11, which ended in a 1-1 draw. Now, this means Indy still don't have a win, but it's still a good result for them to, to tie a 1-1 on the road. Yeah, an away draw in New York, which is one of the top teams in the NASL. The league scored late. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely surprised looking at uh, Indy from last week when Ottawa kind of rolled them to go to New York and uh, draw the Cosmos. Yeah, and we have yet to play the Cosmos um, on our last uh, match of the season, which will be away at New York. And, you know, if Indy can get a draw there, I think we should be able to get one too. Yeah, um, so far it's been proven that any team can beat any team in this league, with the exception of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they've been the only team, I think they've only lost once, and it was to good competition to New York, I believe. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a pretty parody league. Like, 
Yeah, Indy hasn't won a game yet, their expansion side. Uh, Edmonton's not having a good season again, but otherwise it's uh, the league's pretty pretty tight. So yes. it's always, you never know. It's true. We're going to move on now to a listener question. This one comes to us from Steve Botcher on Red Nation Online. Um, and he asks, I'm curious how you see things having come together since day one and how the chemistry is building between the players. Well, as I said earlier, I think that uh, the midfield and the uh, forwards are starting to match up and there's some chemistry going on between them so far. Um, that's the thing. That's the biggest thing that I've noticed, I think. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, things are just gelling so much better. I mean, let me remind you guys of those preseason games. Like, what an awful display of football that was. Like, it was almost tough to get excited about the, about the team because... It, well, we were still excited, but that's a bit unfair, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a tendency to over dramatize these things, but um, yeah, they play so much better. I mean, last game against India was great to watch. They scored four goals. We had that four zero win uh, against uh, the Railhawks, and uh, things are are going quite well. And you can tell that the team has uh, um, been around for a long time now, and they're. they're communicating well and yeah and this is even with you know arguably the our two of our best players uh, still being injured so I'm very hopeful for the future for sure and I, I think like it's already a success story when we just look at the the squad itself and not the things going on around yeah I think it's remarkable uh, just how different the team looks from the first game of the season in Fort Lauderdale to how they're playing now I think um I think early on, offensively, they're trying to do uh, Macon and Oliver as kind of their catalyst for offense. I think it's kind of uh, switching out between uh, Ubi Peripovic and Donatelli in the midfield, kind of carrying the uh, offenses and trying to push it through to uh, Dantas, who's he's played well, but he hasn't really uh, done a really good job finishing. But, uh, you know, Donatelli and Ubi Peripovic have, have carried this team over the last few weeks, I think. It's good to see. Yeah, uh, they really gel well now. Um, almost to the point where you kind of worry when the injuries are over and, and those guys get back. Yeah, how do you fit them in? Yeah, how do you fit them in? How do you like make that? Although I think if Heinemann's fit, he's still an automatic uh, oh, for sure. first 11 player for me. And he'll make a huge difference as, as on the pitches we've discussed. I think someone that doesn't get enough credit is Gorick. Uh, oh, yeah. he made a beautiful mm. save there this 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 week, and yeah. he's he's uh, saved a few games for us. Like, I think a lot of our points are because of him. He's done some. And amazing. even off the field, he's been working really hard to promote the team. Like, he's always out at different community events and like working with other players to just kind of like get out there and get the Fury name out into Ottawa. So he's been really great on and off the field. I think. Yeah, he started every match believe mm-hmm. yeah yeah so and um... uh, our next question comes from from the black hole and they ask how in your eyes have the Canadians on the squad performed exceeded expectations or disappointed well we really have to differentiate between players here we can't all, like say all the Canadians have you know been playing well or all the Canadians have not been playing well there have been some really bright spots, like Becky, I think has been doing a great job. I would say uh, Hayworth has been playing pretty well, and we've discussed this. And, you know, there's other players like Frizenga, which unfortunately is not playing as well as, as we had hoped at Trafford. this point. Trafford is doing good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say overall it's, it's, it's a success, and uh, I think the... I wouldn't say they have exceeded our expectations, but I think DeSantis has shown that you can field a team with a whole bunch of Canadians in the starting in 11 and, and be competitive. And that in itself is a success. Yeah, well, there's the whole thing about expectations is only knew a handful of these players, uh, you know, from previous, like Hayworth and, and like Trafford. But we haven't seen a lot of them, so were, like my expectations weren't high because I didn't know much about them. But I find they're doing 
They're doing good. I think there's always room for improvement. Uh, there's there's no one that you know. There's no one that just makes me like angry or you know. There's no one that like worries me on a day like. So that's good. There's no one terrible and there's no one that's. What do you guys think of Davies? I thought he played really well against uh, Carolina. Played really well, and then he, the next game in Atlanta he played well, and he's literally been not played at all since then. So I don't know. Well, he came on. Uh... Yeah, he comes on late, but he's not. He's not starting anymore. So I don't know. There's been also been a couple players that we haven't seen yet very much of. The Mauro Ustakio is also uh, Canadian. And also, Kenny Caseros has not played very much, and he used to play on the <laughs> Capital City FC, or or he played for Capital City last year. You know, year? to be honest, I've he's been so in the background that I've totally forgotten about him. No, he played for the Fury PDL team. Yeah, for the Fury P- PDL. I remember him being very good on that team, mm-hmm. and then I remember saying like, "Oh, great, they got him because he was a really great player for that team." But they haven't. I think he came on once and. As a sub, we haven't seen him at all. And Mayard, he played well when, when he was used early on in the season, but then he got injured, mm-hmm. and he's just now sort of slowly getting back into into things, and I think he was, like, subbed on in the, the last couple of minutes of the game. Yeah, and then back to keepers, we have a Can- one or two Canadian keepers, or one of them's Canadian. Two. Two? Yeah, the two other keepers are both Canadian. Haven't seen any minutes yet. So yeah, and probably yes. won't see any minutes unless you know Gorik gets a red card or gets injured. Yeah, but Gorik's just dominating right now, so it's hard for them to see some time. Um, do we have a we have a team that's going to be playing like a reserve team that's going to be playing against League One Ontario in exhibition and maybe the Quebec League? They talked a little bit about that, so maybe they'll get some minutes there and get some playing time. So hopefully yeah. those exhibition games actually happen. Does anyone know what the summer break actually looks like for the players? Like, are they on vacation or are they? I know some players are going back home. I've read online. Not really. Yeah, I know Tommy's going back home during the break. I haven't heard anything at all. So. Yeah, you know, as you listeners know, like this is a new team, so this is a giant learning experience <laughs> for all of us too. So. We don't know everything, and uh, we'll only get better as, as time goes on. Yeah, but if you do know anything about uh, like a reserve team and who they're playing against, because they were, they were talking about it at one time, give us a tweet or leave us a message on Red Nation Online. For sure. And uh, I've been noticing we have been getting more listener questions, and people are interacting with us. This is great. Keep it going. And uh, the only thing left to do is preview the game against uh, the FC Edmonton. So the last home game of the spring season will be against a familiar opponent who we played twice before in the Voyagers Cup, FC Edmonton, or how do we like to call him, Ryan? FC Volkai. <laughs> yeah, FC Volkai. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Well, at least uh, that's what it was like the last few times we played him and saw Edmonton play. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm pretty excited to see Hansen Boakai again live. <laughs> I think you have a little bit of a crush on that guy. Yeah, because, you know, like, you know, it's Canadian soccer. Like, not too many people come along and impress me like this player. So, you know, yes, I have a bit of a hard on in a non homosexual way for this player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be a good game. Uh, Edmonton's really knocked up their offense this year. They've scored quite a few goals. I think they've already scored more goals than uh, last spring season and goals per game anyway they're definitely up uh, there's a few players to watch they've been they've been doing really well they, uh, did they also get a result in New York uh, Blocksmith I don't remember no they, they didn't but the I game, don't know if it's <coughs> the game before this one was 0-0 right like it's some kind of away game it was against Minnesota Minnesota was the last game well they, well, they lost this week right yeah but the game before that I mean was yeah. 0-0 against Minnesota if yeah and, that's, and they had the heartbreaker in Montreal Course. They beat Montreal at home, so they've they've really had uh, quite the last few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see them again. Uh, people from Edmonton are going to be at the game, like always, because the two cities are connected. 
and uh, Eddie Edward has also a lot of family here, so there's going to be quite a few, I think, Edmonton fans in stands next week. So, yeah, our beer is cheap. It has lids. It flies really easily. No. <laughs> <laughs> our security is very welcoming, especially yeah. when you look like a supporter. <laughs> they'll search you for free, and they'll give you looks that uh, you'll remember for the rest of your life. And fashion advice as well. They're very thorough note takers. Yes, and they like to take pictures of us. I I assume, you know, to show their grandchildren of what an amazing uh, event they were able to cover. Put on their Flickr account. (laughs) (laughs) If we can get back to the game, I think uh, think it's a really important game for for the Ottawa Fury, for a statement game to to make a statement to the NASL, what kind of team they are. I think if they win and they can kind of move mid-table... Seeing how they've played throughout the year, they should be a team worth reckoning. If they lose, they're kind of... Uh, Edmonton will uh, go ahead of them. We've got a, a tough game in New York a week later, and I think we're going to have a tough time uh, making the, the playoffs in the fall season if we lose this one. I think it's a really big game for us. Yeah, and the players certainly will be motivated because there is unfinished business, and we should have... You know, beat them at home, and we we got. I don't want to say we got unlucky, but we lost in Edmonton. So you know, they want to definitely win this game. So you know, and yeah, I think they're going to be really, really motivated. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Always looking forward to two Canadian teams going against each other, and uh, a much improved Edmonton team in my eyes. And we're a team we're much improved over the last time we played them. A lot has happened with us since last time. We played them, so uh, I think we got our goal scoring confidence. You know, we've had two games where we scored four goals since the last time we played Edmonton. So, and possibly also having played Edmonton two other times might be an advantage for us, where the coaches can revisit those games and say, like, um, review what worked, what didn't work, and hopefully improve the squad from there. That's something Edmonton has is they have one of the better coaches, I believe, in the in the NASL. He does a lot with the with the limited talent he has. Yeah, he doesn't play the most exciting style of football, but he does play an effective style of football for what what he has uh, at his disposal, for sure. Yeah, it'll be our it'll be the last game of Carlton, I'm sure. Thank God. No one, no one will be <laughs> no one will be sad about that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So the game's uh, seven or seven thirty on. Uh, it's on seven. Seven. So that's the thirty first. Yeah, and don't forget to check out uh, the women's game, which will be earlier uh, that day in the same stadium. And same thing as the men, that will be their last game at that stadium, and then they're moving back to their usual home at uh, Algonquin College. Uh, The other thing to mention with the women's game is if you do have season tickets for the Ottawa Fury, your women's tickets will be cheaper, I believe, $7 to Uh, get in. Yeah, uh, what you need to do, though, is uh, log in on your Capital Tickets site with your account tied to the, your season tickets and then you can get the tickets cheaper and if there's any issue with that what I, I had an issue with that and I just contacted the team and I got they sorted it out for me so so if you go to the gate you'll have to pay full price yeah yeah so try to get like get your tickets early would be the best advice and uh, in another matter I don't know if you guys are aware of this event called the community cup but it's basically a soccer tournament uh, that is designed to, br- to bring newcomers to this country and Canadians together and celebrate culture and just play soccer. It's a um, very fun day. Um, I volunteer for them and I've also put in a team for the Stony Monday Riot. And uh, we're still looking for people and we would love uh, for, for you guys to join. So um, it's on the last Saturday in June, I believe June 28th. If you don't have anything planned on that day and you enjoy a kick around, you don't have to be any good. Like there's lots of people on our team who who aren't superstars. Like we're not the Ottawa Fury team. We're just a fun rec team, and we want to have a fun day together. And uh, yeah, please get in touch if that interests you. If any of the Ottawa Fury would like to join, <laughs> <our team>. <laughs> <laughs> Heineman, if you're well. fit by then, you know you haven't really put in that much for Even the team. If you're we will buy you hot dogs (laughs) (laughs) some other housekeeping stuff is um, come across some stuff online uh, at OFFC review Uh, it's Namu he actually actually lives in Toronto but he's a big 
big uh, Fury FC fans. Yeah, so. he lived in Ottawa before and has since moved to Toronto, yeah. and uh, he's one of our most active listeners. And uh, check out his his blog. He basically compiles all the different links that come up about Ottawa Fury, and he also writes very lengthy uh, reports on games. And yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, um, it's at offcreview.wordpress.com, so it's worth checking out. And yeah, I'm not a get all my podcast uh, research done there. He does all the work. I'll read it. <laughs> we have to have him on one day to, to thank him. He posts our podcast. Good. Address on there. So. And if you want to get in touch with any of us on Twitter, I am at CrookedBeat. I am at Fussball, F-U-S-S-B-A-L-L underscore A. Let me grab a pen. I'm at BlogFuryFC. And I'm at, at Coxon, C-O-X-O-N. All right, I guess I should have had a more simplified Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, see you guys next week, hopefully, uh, after a win against Edmonton. Toodles. Bye. Bye. Breaking news, Drew Fisher will be officiating the Fury Edmonton game. Anybody got five bucks? Let's start a pot.